it's great that you're paying these people, you know, bottom dollar for the thing. But, but when you do that, then you got to have the person doing the job. Then you got to have a manager on top of them. And then you have a, some kind of other QA manager on top of them. And then some kind of project manager, you know, you got three, four layers. I don't want to manage three, four layers. What used to be networking was all about, you know, flying to San Francisco and going to a conference and, you know, paying for an expensive hotel, expensive flights and expensive tickets and, you know, walking around and putting your business card in people's hands all the time. Now I just invite them to the show. If I had known how effective of a networking tool podcasting is, shit, I would have done this 10 years ago. Welcome to the Quest for Questions podcast, where each week I ask not so common questions to not so common humans in search of not so common answers. Joining me today is 40 hours a week, cog in a corporate machine turned business owner and uh, digital nomad. He's 15 years of experience with all kinds of digital marketing and running a fully remote online business made for a very engaging uh, chat full of uh, actionable advice. Here are the three things you're gonna learn today. How to run a business while traveling without losing your mind or clients. What to focus on when creating any type of content and hint, it's not the search engine, nor is it the uh, social platform. And finally, how to use podcasting to A, find new clients, uh, B, uh, build relationships, and C, educate yourself. This is Conrad Yerbamate Addict, and here is one and only Jeff Mendelssohn. Enjoy. So, so let's dive right into it and uh, let's go back in time machine to 2006 uh, so you can share a bit about your story. So uh, the way I was listening in 2006, you were still working your corporate job and you were just having your first kind of dipping your toe into, you know, transitioning into entrepreneur and starting your own business. And I think the first thing you started selling was websites. So can you kind of take us back to that moment, 2006, and, and maybe share like what made you make that transition at that point of your life? And, and why of all things was it, you know, selling websites like digital marketing, not, you know, something else? Sure. So, you know, first of all, let's go back to, you know, let's go back to that time, right? So yeah, I think this was still the AOL days, you know, people were just starting to get, you know, like, um, you know, like DSL connections into their house. Like it wasn't such a, you know, it was only just becoming to be popular in terms of, uh, you know, what people needed and how they needed it. So I had always worked in technology jobs, right? So I was always the say uh, the pre-sales engineer. So I would be like the technical guy in the sales team, you know, talking about technology, like, so the, you know, the sales guy would say like, yeah, our stuff is awesome. And then I would say, you know, yeah, it's awesome because we can connect into X, Y, and Z systems, right? My problem with that though, was I was always working in these jobs and I was never really challenged, right? I, you know, every time I try to break out or try to get into like, you know, something newer and exciting, I was always, you know, sort of, sort of slapped down, right? And I was just, I was bored. I was bored how, out of my how skull. How old were you at this point? Oh, uh, 30s. Yeah, about, uh, about uh, early to mid 30s. And what would happen is I would go to work and I would get everything that I needed to get done by like 1130 in the morning. Right. And it's like, okay, great. Now what you can't go home. Right. 
I'm not a smoker. And at that time, you know, like what smokers would do is that they'd go outside to go smoke a cigarette or whatever. So I'm not going to go hang out with them. Right. And it's just, well, now what, you know, like now what am I going to do? So, you know, I was, um, I was working as a pre-sales engineer for a credit card processing company uh, that uh, process credit cards for internet businesses. So a lot of my job was interfacing with, uh, you know, with websites, you know, to, it, to enable them to accept credit cards, which was, you know, go back to 2006, wasn't so easy, right? You needed a gateway, you needed all this, you needed all this other stuff. So we, we needed, a, like, we were able to make it a lot easier to integrate big companies and to start, to start charging for their content, right? Mm. And what happened was around that same time, everybody in the United States was becoming a real estate agent, right? So, you know, there was the, you know, that big real estate thing, everybody was buying houses. If you had a heartbeat, you would qualify for a mortgage and people were just making money hand over fist, you know, with that, uh, you know, by doing that. So what did I do? I was like, yeah, I'm going to go get a license as well to do that. Right. So what happened? So I go out and I go get a, I go get my mortgage broker license, right? Cause I'm like, I don't have time to show people houses. I'll just help people get loans, mm. you know, for it. And I realized very early that I had zero aptitude for this, right? Where I would try to, I, I tried to refinance the mortgage for my brother, you know, it was like, I was the only one he was talking to and I couldn't even get that done. Right. I mean, I messed it up so bad. So it's like, okay. I realized that I had no aptitude for this. And it's like, you know, finally a friend of mine told me, okay, Jeff, um, you know, you're, you're not good with the mortgage stuff, but you know, you built a nice website. Why don't you go pursue that? Right. So then I start, uh, then I start looking around, okay, how can I make websites easier? And that's where I came across the, you know, the Joomla content management system, the Word, WordPress content management system. And I'm like, oh, like this is really easy to start, uh, you know, to start creating websites. So I put my, you know, I put a few feelers out and then, you know, people started coming out of the woodwork, right? All of a sudden I had this one lady in Orlando who was, uh, you know, she had, she had a marketing company and she had like 50 websites that she was managing under her umbrella. And she had this web developer that was just absolutely raping her on every little change that needed to happen across all these websites, Right. And all of these changes were like things that I could do in about seven seconds, right? You know, it's like, mm. you don't need to charge somebody a hundred dollars to change a password or to change a title or, you know, things like that. And that's exactly what this guy was doing. So I told her, look, um, I will, you know, let's make a retainer, right? Pay me X number of dollars per month and I'll handle everything. Boom. That just changed my world completely, right? <laughs> because now I was like, wait a second, I'm you know, and this is in addition to my day job, right? I, you know, my day job, I got, I got little kids at home. I got a mortgage to pay. And I'm like, you know, now I have an extra thousand dollars a month in my pocket. And I'm like, oh my God, this is all I need are like four of these people. And, you know, I'll be able to, I'll be able to quit. Like it really, it really started registering with me. Right. And that's exactly what I started doing. I started, you know, since I was so bored at work and they weren't giving me anything, you know, that anyone who would walk past my desk would be, you know, would see me, well, you know, fingers on keyboards, you know, like that. And they would be like, wow, that Jeff, man, he's so productive. He's a great guy. You know, he's this, he's that. I was building my own business, right? 
I was building, uh, I was teaching myself these content management systems. I was, I was handling clients. Uh, so instead of going out and, you know, smoking with the boys, I would go out and, you know, on my cell phone and, you know, close, uh, close deals and things like that. And that's where it got good to me. Right. That's where it got like, okay, this is, this is interesting. Right. Mm. And around that time as well, you know, like uh, the, the, there were a lot of transitions, especially in corporate America. I, I just kept on, you know, here's a fun fact. You go to my LinkedIn profile, none of the companies that I work for earning are in their, are in existence today in their present form. Right. Yeah. They're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> they're all dead. And it, it, and they all happened like after I left. So, right. So, and I would be at these companies and I would get uh, like, they would give me awards, like the most productive employee of the month, the best employee of, uh, you know, of the year, you know, stuff like that. And six months later I'd be laid off and I'm just like, please do not, do not give me this stuff anymore. Like a, you know, I was a corporate killer. And then finally when I got fired, was it know, 12 years ago for the last time I, um, I was like, that's it. No more. You know, I'm not going back to this. And it was a very scary time because by that time I had already developed my $5 a day Starbucks habit, you know, and I, <laughs> you know, the mortgage and the diapers and going to school and, you know, all that stuff. It just, you know, it's, you know, it weighed on me, you know, but thank God I've been able to build this and, you know, and keep on going, you know, where, you know, at this point it's practically made me certified unemployable right? Simply because I started out creating websites and then I created, um, I, you know, and then I got my own server. So I started hosting them. Hosting turned out to be a really good, a, a really good way to keep clients, you know, within my wheelhouse, right? Because I'm hosting the site for them. Mm. And it, you know, I, it was pretty easy for me to do. When I started figuring out that there was a lot more money to be made after the fa after you build the website for somebody, right? By doing their paid ads, by creating content for them, by running their social media, you know, things like that. Then it was like, okay, wait a second. There's there's really something here, and that's where I that's where I started to build up this, um, you know, a wider book of business, you know, for the content marketing part, search engine optimization, you know, the paid ads and all that, you know, and that's where it really started to get interesting, because now I have all these different disciplines going on you know, inside my wheelhouse. And it was, it was a lot of fun, right? It was just a lot of fun. Mm. And I was able to do it from, you know, either from working from home, eventually I got a subscription to WeWork so that I could go to their offices, you know, whenever I wanted. And it just made, you know, it was just this, it was such an exhilaration of, you know, of freedom, right? Mm. Being able to you know, get out there and just, you know, if I wanted to take a two hour lunch, yeah, go for it. You know, if I wanted, you know, at first I was like always, uh, you know, if I traveled from like a Thursday to a Monday, right. You know, it's like, you have to send emails to all your clients. Okay. I'm going now. Yep. Don't talk to me. I'm going to be on vacation, you know, whatever. Right. Cause you know, there was one time I went to Mexico city for a weekend like that. And I kept the internet uh, data thing on, you know, I kept it on roaming and I came back with a thousand dollar bill you know, for roaming. So, you know, that got expensive really quick. Right. Mm. But once I knew how to manage that, then I just stopped, I just stopped telling people, right. It just, you know, the cost of all this stuff went down to nothing. Now I don't even tell people when I travel, right. I don't, I don't make a point of it, you know, and a lot of my clients are like friends with me on Facebook. So they see where I am. Right. It's not like I'm, it's not like I'm hiding it. Right. Mm. But the fact that I am able to just take my laptop, open it up and go do it from wherever is just, 
it's the ultimate freedom, right? It's just so, so great. You know, like, uh, what was it like two, two and a half years ago, I managed to take my kids with me to Hong Kong and Japan. Right. And, you know, that was great because like, you know, we're just walking around central Hong Kong and I get this text, uh, Hey Jeff, we need you to sign a contract. I'm like, great. Now what do I do? Oh, there's a WeWork down the street, you know? So we go into the WeWork and print out the contract, sign it, and then I'm good. And then, you know, the kids are like, hey, there's air conditioning in here. We really like it. So we ended up staying there for a few hours, met, meet some more people. And it was great, right? Because it was like, how else would I have gotten in there and meet those people if I hadn't, you know, had to, you know, stop in and say hi, you know? Mm. So that kind of stuff is just so, it, it's so much fun. The whole change in latitude is just a great way to, you know, be more creative, get out of your comfort zone and to just make it more interesting to, uh, you know, make my work more interesting all the way around. Hmm. Now your story seems a bit, uh, I would say different than, than usual, because it sounds like when you were still in the corporate, you were actually a really good employee. Like you were getting the awards and you were doing good. A lot of people, you know, who say they're, you know, so-called entrepreneurs and they decide to go, they usually say like, oh, I was, you know, corporate world wasn't really for me. It, it wasn't for you, but at the same time, you, you built out a lot of, uh, you built up a lot of skill set. So when you finally made the change. Um, I milked it for every ounce I could. I made them pay for my education. I had, you know, the health benefits that I needed, you know, the you know, to, to pay for the family at the time. The only thing I didn't have was flexibility to get out there. I was always, you know, it's like you go in and you're expected to do one thing, right? And when you do one thing, it's like, okay, you know, it's like I finished this one thing at 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, I want to do something else. Oh, no, no, you're just a pre-sales engineer. You can't be doing any of that, right? Um, okay, <laughs> like I'll just, I'll just go back to my computer then and build more websites, you know? <laughs> it's like, and nobody stopped me. So, so I ran with it, you know? And, and what made you stick with the, the, like the website, digital marketing? Was it that this was like that thing that, you know, uh, got you the initial like clients results and you were like, oh, this is working. So I'm just gonna, you know, pursue this and try to see where it takes. Or was it just like some deep fascination with how, you know, the whole marketing world, you know, uh, works and how it's changing and how it's, there's so many components to it. I would say it was both, um, you know, the, so if I had to zoom out a little bit, all a website is, is a foundation, right? And usually when you build a website for someone, you know, for a company, whatever, it's like, you know, it's, it's two maximum three checks that you get, you know, you either get an initial deposit or, you know, a mid, uh, you know, a mid project uh, check and then the end of the project check. Right. And, and then that's it. You have to go out and sell again. Right with um i didn't like going out and reselling myself each and every time right because you know you go out and you you know you sell this project and then you finish it up and you say okay thank you for the memories that's not uh, like okay you know like i finished it and what i found was not some but all websites need marketing afterwards right if they don't have a plan for marketing then then like, why are you building it in the first place? Like, mm. like seriously, you can't just like build a website and 
walk away or build it and they will come. It doesn't work like that. You still got to promote it. You still have to set up, uh, you know, like newsletters. You still have to set up, uh, you know, email marketing. You have to set up paid ads. You know, your, your website is your story. You don't just build a store and then, all right, thank you. You know, like, uh, and we'll see who shows up. Uh, th those kind of stores don't make it. Right. So that's how I got uh, So that's how I figured out that um, building a website at the time was really my foundation, my foot in the door so that I could sell them on the other services going forward. And now I'd say over the past five, seven years, at least I don't take a website project unless I also have the, unless I also have the marketing project, right? If they just want me for the website and that's it, I'm not interested. It's not, uh, it's not interesting. It's just, you know, like, what are you going to do with it? Oh, we're going to have our internal team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have them do it. You know, like I, I just won't take the job. Mm. So I guess it goes along with the, um, because I think where, where it gets interesting uh, and I'm interested in your story there and how did it happen is that, you know, to transition from, okay, you got some clients right in the, at the beginning and you start doing websites for them and stuff. But this is where a lot of people also, you know, get stuck that yet they get some independence freedom in a way, but they forever, you know, they, they forever uh, are freelancers. Like they never make the transition to actually having a business and then kind of the, you know, uh, location independent stuff. It, it's there, but it's, it's not really there. Like it's just in theory, but you still kind of are a slave to the client. You still have to always be there. You have to do that. Uh, so I have a quote actually from you that you said that uh, you had this mindset shift from like, yes, sir, to uh, have you ever thought about this? Uh, so, so I'm curious, like wh where was that transition for you? Was it like some specific, you know, moment? Was it like a, like, uh, some steps that you took, you know, to, to take it from, okay, you get clients, you deliver the work to then actually making a business out of it. And then being able to, like, as you said, travel and not even tell the clients it, it couldn't be overnight. So I'm curious, like what, like what was the transition for you? And also what was like your mindset, you know, uh, shift in those, in that period? I would say it has more to do with the fact that, um, you know, since I am working from my laptop and any Wi-Fi connection will suffice, right? It, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because when you're working as a freelancer, independently, solopreneur, or whatever you want to call it, you're not really tied down to a nine to five, nine to six office thing. You know, like, uh, you know, someone's going to send you an email, maybe they'll send you a text or, or they'll schedule a call. So it doesn't really, it's not like you're necessarily tied down to something. Right. And like for me, if I travel to Europe, like right now, you're what, five, six hours ahead of me. Right. I would just know and, um, you know, and budget, you know, my time as you will, that in the mornings when I'm in, you know, when I'm in Poland, I know that I have the morning free because everyone is sleeping in the U.S., you know, at 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, in Warsaw time. Right. So then when the afternoon comes around then i just okay i need to check my phone a little bit more i need to check to make sure you know that everything's working i mean now we can do 90 percent of what i need to do from my phone right mm -hmm. i mean i can log into the back end of wordpress sites i can go to you know i can check stats on google analytics i mean there's an app for everything now so it, it, it also, what happens is that, um, you know, in parallel, I built a team, right? So it's not just me. 
it's not just me being the solo guy. You know, like I have the, uh, you know, I have the uh, content writers on my team. I have a project manager on my team. I have the paid ad guides on my team. So, you know, it's their responsibility to handle, you know, to handle their particular, uh, you know, parts of the service. And it's not like I'm hiding them away from my clients. Like they interface with the clients directly, right? You know, we're working as a team. We're working as an agency. So that does not always require Jeff to be in front of the camera, you know, from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m., right? So you could really sort of just, you know, really just get away and, you know, and still be able to attend to them. Like for me, you know, it's like, I don't really take vacations, right? So it's not like, you know, so for me to take a seven day vacation without looking at email or without like, I don't know if I could do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't know there, you know, there is a certain amount of, uh, you know, of comfort, if you will, just knowing that your business isn't going to crap well, you're at the beach. Right. So what happens, you know, you check in and, you know, the people around me and, you know, my kids, you know, my wife, you know, everyone knows it's like, okay, you know, yeah, I make that as long as I'm not annoying about it, as long as I'm not checking emails while we're eating. Right. Or, you know, or checking emails while, uh, you know, while my feet is wetted and the, uh, you know, and in the sand, then okay, you know, like you can do it, you know, you can sort of manage it. And I think everyone needs to find that balance, right? They need to find that, that balance of what works for them. I would say the only real interesting times is, well, when you go on a cruise, because a cruise is really when you're away for days at a time, and it's difficult to check in. But everything else, I mean, you know, now I have international roaming through T-Mobile, you know, in like, uh, in like 90 different countries. So it's really, you know, I land in, I land in England, I land in Spain, I land in Ukraine, and it's like my phone works. And it's connected, and I don't have to pay for anything. And it's there. And I'm still, you know, and it's great, you know, because I didn't lose a step. Hmm. So I would love for you to share a little bit about the, you know, the building that great team, because that's, I think, a bit of like, yeah. Uh, not a controversial topic, but I think people have different takes on it. You know, some people in that space, especially, you know, that in the location dependent business, so like kind of online business, some people are on this camp of like, hey, let's find this like the cheapest, you know, uh, labor and let's just create processes and, you know, outsource it and then, you know, create this kind of network where, you know, you, you, you outsource it, they still do the job, but you always have to be there because they cannot think for themselves. But you seem to be on this other camp where you kind of recruited people that are able to kind of replace you. They're able to think uh, for themselves. They're able to like kind of talk with clients. Uh, so my, I'm curious if you have any kind of like your thoughts on this subject and also maybe some, some tips for like how, how to find that, you know, those that, that team members um, that are going to do like creative work and, and you can build the team around if you have some, you know, things that you kind of sure. found out throughout the years that are some good tips to, to, to doing that. Sure. So um, I would say, you know, especially 10 years ago, it was very controversial to hire, you know, to hire people in India, you know, like a lot of companies in the US were outsourcing their entire call centers, customer service centers, you know, to, you know, to India or the Philippines or, you know, places like that. And these, and they weren't a good culture fit for that particular company because you would get people that would, you know, like you said, you know, like the procedures would be so rigid that they can't step outside the boundaries in order to be creative. 
right? Let's just use the cable company example, right? If, uh, you know, if I call up and say, well, I'm going to quit my cable company, you know, and, and then they call up this customer service and they speak to, with a sweet girl in Manila, you know, who is just like, oh, Mr. Mendelssohn, thank you so much. You know, it's like, no, but I'm yelling at you. Oh, but we thank you for your five years of business. And, da, 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 you know, so it's like, it's like, it's like there's a, you know, there's a disconnect, right? What I would say to, uh, what I would say to your statement is this. Um, I take full responsibility for the actions of my team. Okay. So let's just start with that umbrella statement. Mm -hmm. Right. And what happens is that I need to ensure that I am putting the right person, you know, to do the right job. Okay. So I have, for example, two programming teams that I work with on a regular basis. One of them is very literal. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw in the nationalities here, but you know, one of them is very literal. You tell them to do X, they do X, and they do it like that. You know, it's great. But you tell them to do you know X, but use your judgment on what color to use. You'll get something less than stellar, right? And the other programming team, I can you know I can do that, right? I, you know, I can tell them, hey, you know, I want to build this interface, and I want it to and I want it to look nice, and I want it to do X, Y, and Z. Beautiful. A week later, they come back and they have a interface. It may not be the prettiest, but it it does the job and the customer doesn't care. So it's all good, mm -hmm. right? So what happens? It really comes down to it really comes down to training and mindset, right? So if I have this, um, uh, so if I have this process that I need to, uh, you know, that I need to convey, it's up to me to show everyone on my team, exactly what I'm expecting of them. I, I mean, they can't divine it, right? They can't just, you know, look into my head and understand, you know, what I see as aesthetically pleasing versus someone else, you know, thinks it's aesthetically pleasing. It has to be communicated somehow. And what I found is people who do not convey that clearly enough, they're the ones who get frustrated when their project doesn't go right, where they tell their, where they tell their, their developer, build me something nice. And we'll define nice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's a problem, right? And that's not a problem with the, you know, with the Indian developer, the Filipino de developer, the Ukrainian developer, the Argentinian developer. It's not a problem with them. It's a problem with you, right? Because you didn't define it, right? I mean, my whole career has been built on creating functional specs for people, right? You know, being the pre-sales engineer for, you know, a credit card payment processing company, I had to tell each and every company what they needed to do to interface with our product, right? So I'm all about screenshots, putting arrows, boxes, you oh. know, flow charts, like, you know, I do that in my sleep, right? So then when I go and I, you know, and I convey that to programmers, they're like, oh my God, Jeff, this is, you know, this is really great. Why? Because I've done this before, right? Now take somebody who's just starting out and, you know, like they get this contract for, you know, to build a website for, you know, for a company, but they don't really know how to do it. So they go on Upwork and they tell the Upwork people, you know, hey, I need a website that does X, Y, and Z, right? Great. Well, X, Y, and Z can mean a lot of different things, right? So if you didn't write out a solid spec of, exactly what it is you're looking for and exactly what you want the back end to do and how information is supposed to get there and how it's supposed to be processed and shipped out, uh, then that's all left up to interpretation. And if it's interpreted, then, well, the interpretation may come out wrong, you know? So that's really, you know, what you need to, you know, what you need to be on the lookout for. So what I find 
to answer your question specifically is, you know, I try to hire the best people for the job and that's not necessarily the cheapest, right? Um, but it is the, um, the most culturally and professionally appropriate that I find for my types of clients and also my personality, right? Cause I don't want to be, uh, you know, I don't want to be micromanaging anybody. Right. I, I just don't want to be in that. Uh, I just don't want to be in that space. You know, uh, I'd say a lot of people, you know, that, you know, you know, big time people that are creating systems and, you know, we're getting our $4 an hour VAs from the Philippines and all that, you know, that's great. Yeah. You know, it's like for $4 an hour, you know, I tell people I should have an office in downtown Manila. I should have somebody making me coffee in the morning. You know, when I come in and answering my phones, right. It's like, great. But, I don't live in Manila. I'm, I, I haven't been there yet. Right. And it's not, it, you know, it's great that you're paying these people, you know, bottom dollar for the thing. But, but when you do that, then you got to have the person doing the job. Then you got to have a manager on top of them. And then you have a, some kind of other QA manager on top of them. And then some kind of project manager, you know, you got three, four layers. I don't want to manage three, four layers. Mm. I don't. Right. I would much rather have, you know, pay someone, you know, 10, 20, maybe even $30 an hour to do the same job, but then I don't need to worry about it. Right. And so, I mean, let's just take content creation for, you know, for a minute. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I used to hire cheap, you know, for creating content. Right. So there was one time I had, um, you know, we needed to write a blog post for a sushi restaurant. Okay. So get this, a sushi restaurant that was in Sunrise, Florida, right? Sunrise is like a suburb of Fort Lauderdale, right? And su Sunrise is also local to Plantation and Cooper City and, you know, like a few of these different uh, places. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the $4 an hour writer started sending me blog posts talking about sushi plantations in Sushi Sunrises. And it's like, no, like, no, not, no, you missed it. Like, Sunrise is the name of a city, right? It's a name, you know, it's like, okay, it's not as popular as Chicago, but it's, uh, you know, it's the name of the city. I thought I was clear about that in my spec, right? So, yeah, you can't, um, you know, so obviously that didn't work. Now, when you get people, you know, at the $20, $30 level, or maybe, uh, you know, people either in the United States or expat Americans or whatever, you know, for whatever it is that I'm, uh, uh, you know, that I'm hiring for it's like, yeah, they sort of understand that because, you know, we have city names here that can mean all kinds of different things. Right. Mm. So, you know, they would write more about a, you know, a blog post that talked about the sushi, uh, about a, a neighborhood sushi restaurant that's local to these places. Right. So what I found is I don't want to, I don't want to manage to that level. Right. I want to manage just, uh, I want to go to bed at night knowing that the stuff is done. And if it means I have to pay a little bit more in order to get it, then I, that makes me sleep sounder at night. You follow? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I have you also like run into this because like this whole, you know, having like remote team and, and having people from, you know, um, international team, it's all great. But I, one big challenge that I found, and that's kind of a root of all problems, is the kind of miscommunication problem, right? Like, how do you, like, normally when you're in the same office and stuff, it's, like, a lot easier to explain everything or, like, ask each, each, each thing and clarify if something is not uh, clear, then ask a, a question. Have you also run into this problem? Has it also been, like, a really big obstacle when it comes to having, like, a 
remote team. Sure. So it's sure. So it's always an obstacle. It always has been and always will be. Right. Um, that said, COVID has made a lot. A lot of people really need to step up their game on this, right? Because um, before this, you know, part part of my my yearning for travel, right, was to meet the people that I'm hiring in all these different places. Meet oh. them in person. Break bread with them, right? And you know, get to know them in person. I mean, right now, you know, you're this two inch you know, postage stamp size square. But imagine if I was to fly over and meet you and we were to go have coffee and, you know, shoot the shit for a little bit, you know, that, that would be great. Right. Then I'd be a real person to you. Yeah. Right. And once you do that, then it's like, you know, like I keep these people around for years. Right. It's a, mm. you know, I try to do good business with them and, you know, and they remember me and it's like, well, how many, you know, how many other of your contractors, you know, came to visit you, you know, in Krakow, in Montevideo, in Santa Fe, Argentina, in Tel Aviv, Israel, and all these places. And it's like, uh, not many, right? You're, or not any, right? So what happens? It, it just really cements that bond. So what happens? You know, just talking about communication. Yeah, you're right. Um, think about it this way. It doesn't matter to me whether you're across the street or halfway around the world, you're the same remote to me, right? We're yeah. still talking over video conferencing software. We're still, we're still sending messages on chat, uh, you know, on Slack or WhatsApp or whatever. We're still sending emails. And if you are not verbose, if you are not, you know, like, you know, clearly get your point across, you know, either within my project management tool or within Slack or on the phone call, then you're right. I have no business communicating with you, right? So, I mean, that to me is a prerequisite. You got to over communicate, right? You got to, you, you know, you can't, don't just send me a text message saying, Hey, it's broken. Can you check it out? You know, tell me what you did first. Tell me what happened. Tell me what you, what you think is wrong. You know, it's like, you know, put a little muscle into it. Right. And then at least I can go in, you know, I can go in and I can change it. Right. Or you can go in and change it. Right. But really what it comes down to is that communication, right? You have to be able to, to foster that communication so that it works for, you know, so that it works for everyone, so that it works for me and also works for you. Yeah, it seems like you got to like a bit, I guess you said over communicate because you don't, you cannot pick up those nuances. So it's a lot of times you got to like maybe say more than you would normally say like verbally to somebody. And they, they mm -hmm. would be able to pick up, but you have to kind of add a little more like story nuance, like what, you know, are you saying it angry? Are you saying it, you know, calm voice? Like what's the, like what's, what's the situation, right? Right. So, you know, video is great for that, right? And now we have these apps that can, you know, you can send very quick videos, you know, like either on WhatsApp or BombBomb or Dub, you know, you can, so you can, so I can convey, you know, whether I'm pissed, whether I'm happy or whether I'm just normal. You know, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's just easier to do a screen share and just show you how to do it. Or it's just easier to record like, okay, I need you to do one. I need you to do two and I need you to do three. Right. It really comes down to communication. Right. Right. If you're not good at communicating, then you should be doing this on your own. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, then you won't have a lot of joy, you know, hiring other people out to do it because you're not communicating your needs clearly enough. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. I hope people are listening. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, 
So, so let's uh, go like zoom out to in general the digital marketing. Um, I think one one thing I'm really curious about, and it's a bit of like an open-ended question, which is like now through this 17 years of experience, like what's like let's say one thing that you know you you kind of believe it's true, but most people in that space kind of would disagree with you. There, there has to be something that you know you see a lot of people you know like juggling in the same opinions on and you maybe have a different take on. So I'd be really curious to hear that. My controversial opinion on this is that all of these tools that we have, Google, Facebook, you know, Twitter and, you know, Pinterest and all that, you know, the core of these channels and, you know, how they work and how they interact, you know, within themselves and with each other right? Is that it's all based on people, right? It's all based on, you know, customizing the, the user experience for me. When I turn on my Facebook here, my Facebook looks a lot different than yours, mm. right? It looks a lot different than my wife's who's in the other room, right? So it's all very different. So what happened was, um, especially in the days where people were trying to game the search engines, right? Search engine optimization, right? I always saw this as like a, like I'm like I'm I'm playing a game of football, soccer in the U.S., right? Against a team that changes the rules on me at will, and I just have to live with it, right? So I, you know, I'm I'm running around the field, and I'm like, oh no, you're offsides. No, I'm not. No, no, you no, you are, because that's the new rule right? Like, what are you going to do about it? And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, right? And the rules keep changing every couple of months. What has stood the test of time, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that if you start writing content and you start producing content and you produce good content, then Google is going to reward you for it, regardless of how well you optimize the keywords, the H1 tags, H2 tags, you put in meta titles, meta descriptions, you connect it to different directory sites and come on, you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be writing a blog post for a search engine. You should be writing a blog post for people, right? Mm. And that goes for, you know, that goes for, you know, just about anything, you know, like the, you know, these tools are now very smart. Like they can figure out the intent very quickly, you know, of who's writing it. I mean, I can read a blog post and I can tell, whether it was written by someone whose first language is English or not. Right. Mm. I can, I, and sometimes I can even tell, you know, like the regional English, whether it's British English or Canadian English or, you know, or Filipino English, right. It, you know, it's still the English language, but you know, there, there are nuances to it, you know, that make it, uh, that make it identifiable. And if I can pick it up, you better believe that Google can. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I would say here is that you really need to create the experience for the person that you are targeting, not the search engine or the social channel that you're targeting. And I think once you understand and internalize that, then you're going to be like, okay, that's just going to change the game for everybody because then you're going to take better pictures for Instagram. You're going to make better memes for, you know, for Pinterest. You're going to write better articles that get, that gets searched for and found better on Google and Bing. So in a way, like 
put the actual content or like what you're doing first, like make sure this is quality and then worry about all the strategies, tactics, tools, ways to market it, ways to make well, it. You still need this, well, you still need a strategy, right? Cause you know, like who are you, you know, like who's your dream customer, who you're trying to, who you're trying to connect with, you know, the tactic is still like, you know, do I put this on medium or do I put this on my, you know, on my blog, on my blog is my, uh, you know, am I using WordPress? Am I using some of those tools that, you know, sort of tease out the focus keyword? Am I using open graph to make sure that when I take that article and post it to Facebook, that it displays correctly on Facebook or like for Twitter, if you go through some people's Twitter feeds, like there are two, there are basically two ways Twitter will, uh, a Twitter will display an article. It'll either display it as a small, uh, with a small, photo and then the headline to the right of it or it'll or it'll display it large which is the big photo and then the headline and everything under it right so if you don't take care to manage those little details then right then then your tactics are messed up right because you mm. didn't take time to to look at the open graph settings for specifically for twitter and you didn't take the time to really care about how it actually displays when you share it to another platform right i think I happen to think that's important, right? If you go to a major, let's call it a major Twitter feed, Starbucks, Coca-Cola, you know, some big brand. I mean, so someone would be fired for that. You know, if they put a, if they put a link that only had a small picture on it instead of a large picture. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when they do it on my blog post, it's like, Oh no, get the hell out of here. Right. <laughs> I can't, uh, you know, I need to make sure that, um, you know, that I'm, that I'm operating at the same level so that I can create, you know, this work for my clients as well. Mm -hmm. So, so basically just making sure that priorities are in order that right now we, a lot of people are kind of reversed it. Okay. Like let's think about like, what's the SEO and, you know, best way instead of focusing on first on what's the actual content. So now it's kind of secondary and you are saying that you would always put it primary. Well, so what I would say is this, I mean, um, you know, as a digital marketing agency, I will not take a SEO client anymore, right? Like when I just want, you know, I just want to, I want to rank first for, you know, drapes on the internet. I don't know, whatever it is, or dog food, right? I won't take that client. Why? Because it's, A, it's not up to me, right? Mm. It's, uh, I can influence, it's, you know, a little bit here and there, but you know, it's not my game, right? The rules keep on changing, right? So it's much better if I was to create a more direct response, if I was to create a website that I can then run ads to easily, if I can create landing pages easily that can, you know, like, um, you know, that specifically says, hey, we're running a special in, you know, for Miami area residents or Chicago area residents, you know, and then it's more local, it has more feeling right? And then just uh, running some generic campaign. The type of work that we work on now is not, uh, is not just like, we don't just do one thing for the client. It's, it's uh, most or all of the, uh, of these different activities, or it's nothing. We just walk away from it because okay. I, you know, if I just do social for you, like I get a lot of people that, you know, that come to me, it's like, oh, I want you to create a social campaign. That's going to get me more likes. I, I'm sorry. Are you a likable guy? Or are you, you know, it's like, I, I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, I need to get to it. I need to get to it. Or one guy last week, he wanted me to create, uh, he wanted me to help him on Instagram so that he can get verified, you know, verified is that little blue sticker next to people's names. 
I don't control that. Mm. Right. I tried to get verified already a couple of times and you know, Instagram's not answering me. What am I going to do to, you know, to help you? So no, I, you know, I won't take those kind of, I, um, what I can do is I can create the content for you. Um, I can create the, uh, I can create the, the environment so that it would be more inviting for people to come and consume your content and to buy your products, but I can't actually make them buy. Mm. Right. You know, let's say for example, the price of your product is too high or the sales, uh, the sales process is too long. Like there's not much I can do about that. Or if I'm doing this kind of work for, I don't know, a doctor, right? I don't know, you know, for, uh, for all the traffic that I sent to their site and after all the leads that I sent them, I don't know if this one person becomes a patient or not. Right. Because, you know, we have laws here that protect privacy. They're not going to come back and say this person became a, uh, a patient and this one didn't. I just hope that they, uh, you know, these, these leads do turn into, you know, do turn into appointments. And if they do great, if they don't, then you need to tell me, I'm not going to automatically know that. Right. So there has to be, there has to be this communication. There has to, you know, it, you know, it's got to make sense, you know, for both sides, both for me and for the clients and whether what it is that I'm doing actually works. Hmm. And what was it because you never really mentioned that and I'm curious about this uh, whole thing that you wrote and I think somewhere on your site about this, you know, transition when you used to say like, oh, yes, sir, I'm going to do that to then finally, you know, starting questioning whether the client is actually, you know, uh, has the right idea and you kind of pitching them some maybe different idea. Uh, did it just come, you know, to, to you from experience or getting more confident in, in marketing or um, how, how did that come about like that kind of transition? I think it was both, you know, like, uh, so first of all, you know, it's like, I really need to understand what it is that I'm going to be creating content for. Right. Like if you're trying to, uh, you know, I want you to, um, let me see if I, uh, you know, I had this example of someone who wants to sell. Um, so I don't know if you've, I, uh, I don't know if you had this where you're from, but like you go to a gas station over here, you can buy these little, these little powder packets and they're called like hangover, you know, hangover mixes, right? So basically what you do is that you pull into a gas station at two in the morning, you buy this little package and you mix it in with the water and it's supposed to help with your hangover by the next morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. Something like that. I think it's just a bunch of vitamins and sugar and powder, you know, that you put in and it, it, you know, and they sell it for $5 and I'm sure it costs, you know, 40 cents to create. Right. So, you know, doesn't work. I, I don't know. I tried it once. I thought it tasted like shit and I'm, you know, moved on. Right. So then when I'm trying to create, you know, when I'm trying to create demand for it, it's like, I don't necessarily believe in this product. Like, I, I don't know if there's something that, uh, you know, in these claims that they're making that it's healthy and it's FDA approved and uh, like, no, it's not. The FDA didn't look at your, didn't look at your, they're like, you know, no, it's not, you know, it's like, you, it's like you put a couple of vitamins in there, right. Or, you know, whatever it is. And you really don't know what it is. So things like that, that if I don't understand them, right. And I, I'll be honest, there are a lot of things I don't understand. Right. So I would just, I think it's just better to not get involved with it. Right. There have been a few projects that I've gotten involved with that I did not understand. And I took the money because I needed the money. Right. Mm. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure we've all been there, Yeah. but I've also had to give back money 
on that as well, because once I realized that I, I'm not doing a service for this client and, you know, it's just not working out and it's, it's you know, I don't know what's going on. Okay. You know, like, well, listen, it's just better for me to pull out and, you know, part his friends. There is nothing more satisfying than firing a client, right? Especially one that's treating you badly. And then being able to focus again on the clients that love you as opposed to the clients that are always yelling at you, Hey, you got to get this done. got to get this done. got to mm. get this done. It's like, no, you don't own me, buddy. You know, it's like, I'm doing my best. You know, it's obvious I'm not getting it. You know, just move on, go find somebody who does and good luck to you while you do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it, it takes kind of a bit of uh, like thinking about, you know, the second order consequences and, and stuff like that, because a lot of times, yeah, in the short term, like you want the money, but then you probably from experience and me too, like getting a, you know, a, a bad client. And then it's just like five times the work, uh, 10 times the stress. And, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't work out. Like then it, it wasn't worth the money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so if I asked you, I don't know, because you were, you were talking about like that you prefer to look at the digital marketing as like a, could say holistically that it's not just about this one specific thing but like a series of different tools strategies tactics uh is there so would it be a bad question to ask like what's what's uh what's like your favorite uh marketing channel at the moment my favorite marketing channel at the moment are you know is paid ads right mm -hmm. because paid ads gives you the most amount of clarity in this in the quickest amount of time right? Like, okay, so take search engine optimization, right? You know, mm -hmm. you need to create content, then you need to put it on other sites, and then you wait a couple of weeks to see where your site actually ranks, right? With a paid ad, you know, like, you can have, you can have clarity that afternoon, right? You put, you put one, three ads up pointing to a specific page, you see the traffic coming into the page, and then no one's clicking on the offer. Well, now you can pivot you know, you can pivot tonight, you can pivot tomorrow, you know, and change things around until you start, until you get people to, you know, to click on it. So you're essentially paying for the data mm. and you're paying and you're getting it very quickly. Right. So it's the most, that for me is the most satisfying of, uh, you know, of all the channels, because now you're not just uh, dealing with, uh, you know, someone's perceptions of, uh, you know, is this cute? Is this nice? Is this offensive? Is this whatever? No, you just, you know, you put it out there and, you know, also you can get really, really granular with, um, you know, with your targeting, you know, so mm. the joke or the example I say is, you know, I can target all women born in Colombia, right, who have toddlers and now live in Sandusky, Ohio, which is a smaller town, you know, somewhere in Ohio, right? I'll find all seven of them. Right. But, you know, I like you can do that with Facebook. Right. Because if, you know, Facebook does have all of this data on, you know, on all of us. Right. Mm. So if that's your target market, then great. Then you're able to target them. And as long as you create a message that that, uh, you know, that they will respond to, then they'll click on it and maybe they'll buy something from you. Right. So in short, what you're doing is that you're paying you're, you're paying to access that data. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, like once you do that, then you can take action on it much quicker. So that's why, you know, like paid ads is def is by far my favorite way to, uh, you know, my favorite way to move forward on, uh, on projects.
Hmm, so you don't mind the fact that because you were saying that, for example, you are not a big fan of SEO because the, the rules keep changing. Isn't that kind of the case also with, with, um, many well, no, with paid, paid ads, ads, I'm paying for it. No, it, with paid ads, I'm paying for it. Whereas, you know, with SEO, I have to make changes to the website and then wait for an algorithm change to happen. And then that could happen tomorrow. That can happen next week, or that could never happen with paid ads. It goes up and it's there. Right. So, you know, and if it gets clicks, great. If it doesn't get clicks, then why isn't it getting any clicks? And you're able to pivot on that right away. Mm. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that, that makes sense. That's a good, uh, that's true. Um, so, so let's, let's pivot into, into podcasting and where you know, maybe it's kind of an up and coming medium um, and where kind of its role lies now in the whole, like, you know, your marketing efforts, obviously you have something like pay that, which you just mentioned, which are really great at, you know, getting data fast and paying for it and making sure you get it. But on the other hand, you have things like, for example, now podcasting, which I think you are also a proponent of, uh, for one thing, like kind of building your maybe influence status, but also, you know, talking with your potentially your audience. Uh, so maybe you can share a little bit your thoughts on like, what's, like what's the deal now with podcasting and how can people maybe use, um, because I know there's two camps of podcasting, right? Like one is like maybe me just does it because I like talking to people, but there's also kind of a business side to it. So maybe you can talk about the, uh, the business side of podcasting and how can, you know, people use it to maybe grow, you know, like even get sales. Sure. So yeah, this is, uh, you, you know, this for me was the most surprising was uh, tr uh, using my podcast to connect directly with decision makers, right? And to interview prospective clients, right? Basically, when you go to, you, you know, when I have a, you know, when I have a coach on the, on the line or a CEO on the line, and I'm asking them questions like, I'm not talking to their administrative assistant. I'm not talking to their vice president. I'm talking to the decision maker of that company, right? Mm. And what I found is, you know, we're all human and we all, you know, they, we wanna be heard, right? Whether you're just, uh, you know, some guy out of school or whether you're a CEO of a big company, you wanna be heard. And what happens is that um, by being a guest on podcasts and being a podcast host, well, being a podcast host is interesting because you control the conversation right? You control, you're creating the foundation, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. No worries, no worries. So with a podcast, you're building a foundation and you're controlling the conversation, right? Yeah. So, you know, like you can, uh, you know, there are no rules. Like, you know, right now we're in an hour long podcast. I've been on a podcast that lasted a minute you know, where they ask one question and that's it. Right. So it's not like you're creating a TV show. That's got to be exactly 23 minutes plus commercials. It's not like you have to get, uh, you know, different producers and everything. You could literally do this from your phone. Right. You don't need the, you don't need the, you know, the big mic to do it. You don't need the, you know, all this different, uh, uh, you know, all that expensive equipment. You could literally get a $15 lav mic connected right here and go for it. Now, what happens is that, um, if you're, you know, if you set up your podcast, you know, with the right premise and you target the right people, you could be 
interviewing your prospective your prospective clients, right? Because you're bringing them on and you're giving them a platform, right? You're giving them a platform to actually speak on your show. And your show doesn't need to have, you know, you don't need to be a Joe Rogan or a Howard Stern and have millions and millions of listeners in order to do this. You know, it, people do, people do tune in and people like to be heard on them, right? And what happens is that if you can deliver enough value, me as the podcast host to the guest who's coming on, you know, then I'm able to, you know, then I'm able to start and continue a conversation, right? Because now let's just, you know, take that CEO example of the guy who I interviewed. I'm now on a first name basis with the guy, right? Mm -hmm. I already have his direct information. I don't have to go through any gatekeeper anymore, right? So I'm able to go and, you know, and make a pitch and, you know, if it makes sense and, you know, be able to offer, you know, either the same services that I'm offering, you know, within my core digital marketing uh, agency or as part of the, you know, the podcast uh, marketing agency that I'm starting up or to be part, you know, or any other type of, you know, of medium that I'm putting together. I can interview them again at a later date on a different subject, you know, like all this stuff. And really what it is, is that, um, you know, it used to be networking was all about, you know, flying to San Francisco and going to a conference and, you know, paying for an expensive hotel, expensive flight and expensive ticket, and, you know, walking around and putting your business card in front of people's, uh, in front of, you know, in people's hands all the time. Now I just invite them to the show mm. and, you know, they want to come on and it's great because it's like, like how, like think about it, Conrad, how would you and I have met otherwise? That's you know, tough, if it right? wasn't for this. Yeah, it's just, uh, you, you know, uh, you, you know, we're in you, you know some somewhat different worlds. We may have bumped into each other, you know, at a ClickFunnels convention or at a Traffic and Conversion Summit or whatever, or, you know, whatever it is, right? But now, the, you know, but the fact that we were able to schedule this what two weeks ago, and you know, now we're talking and we're able to get to know each other, you know, next time I'm in your area, you know, I'm going to be looking you up, right? Yeah. You know, I'm going to be looking to see, you know, like what, uh, you know, if we can go out and have a coffee or, you know, or whatever it is, because we know each other now. Right. And I think that's really the biggest part of, uh, you know, a podcast that you're able to, that you're able to create that relationship. You're able to get right there, you know, into someone's ear and, um, you know, and really communicate a point. And hopefully you're interesting enough that people will listen to you again and again. Mm. And especially I think now is the, I don't know what's your take, but I think now it's it's a really perfect time for people to start because this is a moment where you can't really do it any other way in most places in the world. So it's a really well, one of the only ways now to really network and do the relationship building part, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Because you know, like um, you know, as you can see, I'm in my bedroom. You know, you got the baby Yoda and the bear behind me, you know, it's like, you know, like where else am I going to work from? You know, it's like, uh, you know, I can go to a, we work here in Miami, but why? Like, uh, you know, I'm going to go over there and then I got to wear a mask all the time and you know, everyone's sort of enjoying it. It's not fun anymore. Might as well just work from here now. But do you think it's something that almost any, anyone can do like anyone who has a business or something like that, or do you think it's. It's only if you if you like it, or do you think it's just like one other marketing channel? Like no matter if you like it or not, it's just effective, and uh, there is no excuse not to do it. I think I think that in order to be somewhat successful at it, you do have to like it. 
right? You do have to, you know, if I was to go into this, you know, like just really bored, Conrad, please. We just finish. No, that would be a boring conversation, right? I'll give you an example. Um, one of my clients is a is a commercial landscape architect. Okay, basically what that is is you know imagine a big building in Miami, you know that has beautiful palm trees around the perimeter, and then they have a rooftop pool, and then they have like bushes and flowers and other palm trees and everything set up. That's what he does, right? So he's not a landscape architect who goes to your house and puts up palm trees like he'll only do big developments right Mm -hmm. so so we had a conversation and you know he asked me he's like you know i want to you know i want to increase my uh i want to increase my reach how can i do that right but you know this is a guy who only works with half million to million dollar contracts he only works on big buildings that are 50 stories or more tall uh, you know taller than 50 stories right so he's not going to be sending sales letters to property managers, you know, and he's tried, you know, creating, uh, you know, like photo books of his beautiful properties and mailing them out to people. All of that is boring, right? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really do the job. So I told him, I'm like, why don't you start a podcast? And he's like, why would I do that? Right? Like, why would I, like, why would I start a podcast? I'm like, well, um, you know, (laughs) imagine if, yeah, no. So I was like, well, I'll tell you, what if you were to get Jorge Perez? Jorge Perez, by the way, is the CEO of the Related Group. They have buildings all over the world and they're based in Miami. Oh, okay. What if you were to get Jorge Perez on the line and you nerded out with him for a half an hour on property development? What, how valuable would that be to you? He's like, oh my God, that would be, that would be my dream. I'm like, what about, uh, you know, getting Bjork Engels on the line? You know, that, uh, that crazy architect in, uh, in Denmark you know, that does all those crazy things. Like what, what, like imagine you're talking with Bjork, not his VP, not his project manager, not his administrative assistant. You're talking to the man, right? What would that mean to you? It's like, no, that would be amazing. Okay. Well, that's what I'm doing with my podcast. Right. And who am I? Right. I'm not a VP of anything. Right. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, you know, I didn't call you know, I didn't used to work at Coca-Cola or, you know, or Facebook or Google. Like, I'm, you know, I started this on my own, but I'm talking to these people, right? I'm talking to VCs. I'm talking to coaches. I'm talking to, you know, I'm talking to this whole wide range of people, right? So why wouldn't you, you know, talk to property developers and to other architects and other people in your field, you know, just to get the, you know, just to get the feel for what's happening in your business? And, you know, who cares if your, po- if your podcast gets 100 downloads? You're interviewing your prospective clients, right? What happens if you interviewed the guy who's a, you know, who happens to be the developer on a new project that's opening up in Miami? Now you can call him up directly, right? And say, hey, man, you know, how's it going? I'd like to bid on your project. You know, uh, you know what do you think? Well, th- there you go. It's like you already got the in. That is that is where the podcast gets really interesting for me because you are networking with with these interesting people and you're talking about things that are that you know like are really interesting for you right so if he was to bring me on the show right i mean we yeah we could talk about marketing and all that right but he's not a marketer he's a commercial landscape architect right you know he's a really soft spoken guy you know he's just he speaks slowly methodically and all that no okay that's the kind of personality that matches his uh, you know the work that he's doing right mm-hmm. so imagine if he was to speak with more people like that and i think i convinced him 
you know, now I just got to get them to buy the equipment and, you know, and go from there. Nice. Nice. But I guess it's also like there, the one thing there I think to keep in mind is that there's also this fine line between, yeah, like inviting someone on the show, but at first, like also you are just inviting them as an interview. So like not really having a hidden agenda, right? Because there's like this fine line where if it becomes that it's just like a smoke screen and it's actually like a, a sales well, if you goal. come off as, yeah, if you come off as too salesy, yeah. I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, I don't, um, you know, when I'm interviewing people, I don't, you know, like, Hey, buy my digital marketing services. I, you know, it's like after the interview, you know, like after I turn off record, I'm like, listen, I'm a digital marketing agency. This is what I do. You can tell I could talk, I could talk about this stuff all day long. Right. So if that's interesting for you, you know, you have my direct contact info, please feel free to reach out soft sell and maybe, you know, reach out to them, you know, one, two, three times, you know, afterwards, you know, via marketing automation campaign, that's really all that's needed. Uh, if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. And if not, then I have more content for building my authority. So it, it really is a win all the way around. Hmm. So how did, because you, um, I did say that, but you actually have your own podcast, which is uh, the one big tip. And, and actually a principle that you have there is like paid forward. So I'm curious, like how you got started with podcasts, like where did you, because I didn't ask you, like where did you discover the powers of it and, and what was the inspiration to finally like do it yourself? And now I think you stuck with it for, for, for quite a while. So uh, I'm curious, like how, how did you find out the powers of, of you know, podcasting and, and what's like, what's, what's behind this pay, paid forward uh, principle? Sure. So I've learned a lot from podcasts, right? You know, just by listening to other marketers and all that, you know, they're always dropping these value bombs and, you know, use this tool and do that, you know, so I'm always collecting this kind of information. So I've been a beneficiary of this kind of, uh, you know, of this, uh, of, of this kind of uh, medium for a long time. Now, when I was coming out, when I was coming out with the idea to do it on my own, uh, first of all, it, you know, when you work on a project like this for yourself, it is the hardest project you're going to work on, right? Do it for our clients. Like, yeah, I'll smoke that like this, you know, do it for yourself. And it's like, geez, that took two years to, you know, to put together. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's um, always how it goes. Yeah. That's always how it goes. So what happened? I was uh, working. Uh, I know I wanted to come up with a concept, something that had, that had legs that I can, that I could apply it to a few different things. But at the same time, it had to be focused enough that I wasn't wasting my time or everyone else's time. Mm. So what I, and what happened was I ended up being on someone else's podcast where he kept it at eight minutes, where he asked you eight questions very, very fast. And you're on and off in eight minutes, bro. Like, I, it, like that was it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I was in and out in 10 minutes. That's great. Right. And, um, I was like, I wanted to do something like that. So I wanted, to, so the way I came up with the one big tip is, you know, we come up with a, um, you know, I'm going to talk to you about what is the one thing you use in your business that is actionable, measurable, tangible, you know, that you'd be willing to share with someone else. Right. Mm. And it's not a mindset. It's not a manifestation, <laughs> not a dream. It's not, Oh, you just got to ask the right questions. Like, no, it's none of that. Right. So it's got to be something actionable. It's got to be something that you can do. So I, you know, so the way I, I built it out was 10 to 15 minutes recorded. It's, three, it, it's basically three questions, right? It's first of all, who you are and why you're awesome. 
you know, what's your one big tip and, you know, why is it amazing? And then where can people find you, right? That's really the foundation for it. And that is wide enough that I can talk with a whole bunch of different people on a whole bunch of different levels, right? When I first started this, I started this back in November, December of last year. At first I was like, how the hell am I going to find four people a month to talk to me? That was my biggest, like, you know, because I knew I had to be consistent. I can't like, you know, record two episodes and then come back in April. Right. Yeah. I, you know, so I wanted, I wanted to be consistent. So I'm like, how the hell am I going to find four people a month? So it, of course, first I dipped into friends and family, right. To, you know, just talk about it and not that I'm inviting you to do so, please don't do this. Okay. But my, you know, if you listen to my first episodes, they're, 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 they need some work. Right. So obviously I've come a long way since then. Right. But, you know, when I, when I started putting the word out there, you know, like four turned to 10, 10 turned to 20, 20 turned to 40, 40 turned to 60 people that I interviewed. And I'm like, holy shit, man, they're only 52 weeks in a year. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to interview you now. And oh, by the way, your episode's going to come out next October. Like, no, like that, that didn't work. Right. And then so I changed the cadence to twice a week, right? So now we drop on Tuesdays and Fridays and the people's just kept on coming, right? And, you know, they're still coming. And I get like, uh, I get two or three requests a day now, you know, for people to come on the show. And I'm you know, like, I have a thing on my website saying, listen, buddy, I'm, I'm recording now about seven, eight months ahead. I may change it to three times a week, you know, uh, going forward. Like I haven't quite figured that out yet, but you know, I, you know, but that's where I'm at. And it's, you know, if it's good for you, great. If not, you know, you could pay me a fee and you can jump to the front of the line, you know, if you're trying to promote a course or whatever, right? Maybe try to get some money out of it, right? But um, yeah, for the most part, you know, like people are still coming because they see the traction. So it's like, you know, and again, I'm not getting crazy download numbers. I'm not super popular. People don't stop me on the street. <laughs> Spotify isn't throwing money at me, right? You know, but it's not about that. So first of all, I'm doing it, you know, I'm doing this podcast as a lead gen tool as a networking opportunity, right? And I'm, uh, you know, and, and I'm doing it for my own self-education because I'm talking to a lot of great, interesting people, yeah, right? that's a good point, right? Like you learn also yeah. for the process. Yeah, but so I, I'm learning a lot and there's a lot of stuff you can do with this, right? Like you can go and create a virtual summit afterwards. You can go and create eBooks off of all the stuff that you learned. You know, you can start categorizing it and just repackaging the content that I already have into, you know, into other info products. There's a lot of things that you can do here, right? And what happens is that, you know, now it's like, I think I recorded like the hundred episode 147 yesterday. Right. And I only published episode 70 today. Right. So oh, I'm man. literally, you know, I literally have more episodes recorded that haven't been, haven't been heard yet than episodes that have been heard. Right. If I don't take not one more interview, I will have content through June, July of next year. Right. And that is just that that just blows me away that I, you know, how so many people have that much confidence in me. Right. And they have that much, uh, yeah, you know, like, and they like the message, uh, you know, and they like the premise of what it is that I have to say. So getting back to your original question about the pay it forward, like I've always been a pay it forward type of guy. Right. I used to get phone calls that, that for some reason it was like the six month period where every month I would get phone calls from people who would be like, Hey Jeff, you know, I need your help to build an app. Really? Tell me about the app, man. Well, you know, you know how you take pictures with your phone, 
well, you know, I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to put filters on it and, you know, you're going to be able to tag them and, you know, you can like tag your friends. And I'm like, really, buddy? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Did you just describe Instagram to me? Yeah, I was just about to say Instagram. <laughs> right. And they're like, no, 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 you don't. And no, and they're like, no, Jeff, you don't understand. My app's going to be social. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> right. I swear to God, that was a legit conversation that I had. Right. <laughs> so. I don't just hang up the phone on these people, okay? I walk them through, you know, like a why their why their idea is a little bit a uh, little bit misguided, you know, and where they're going wrong. And it's like, uh, listen, man, you know, the guys that developed WhatsApp and the guys that developed uh, Instagram, you know, these aren't, uh, you know, they didn't just, you know, these weren't dumb shit kids in their garage. Like these are people that worked at Yahoo, they worked at all these yeah. other companies. They're very well funded, like. You know, the, it, it, this didn't just pop out of the ground, right? And when I explain when I explain things to them in those, you know, in those terms, they remember it. They remember, like, you know, this this wasn't a five minute phone call. It was actually a forty five minute phone call where I went through the whole thing in a non threatening way of why their why their idea is actually not that great. And what happens is that they appreciate it, right? Because where they could have gone to Upwork and say, I want to create an app that uh, filters and tags photos. And there are 50 to 200 developers, which will say, yes, I will build you that app for a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars. They'll build it. Of course they'll build yeah. it. You won't make any money from it, but they'll build it. Right. Whereas I'm just like, listen, buddy, you know, you're going down the wrong path. Here's why. And this is what you need to be doing. They remember that. And then they call me up like a year later. I've had one five years later. Hey, Jeff, you remember when you talked to me about that, uh, about that I stupid idea that I had? Well, now I got a better one. You know, I learned a lot since then. And now I'm a, you know, now I have this business where I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Can you help me out with that? Okay. Now we have something to talk about. Right. Because mm -hmm. I was nice to them beforehand, right? I told them what it, you know, I told them, listen, I could very easily sell you on this and you will give me your money because I'm that good. Right. But I'm not, I don't want to take your money for six months and then you hate me. Right. So I was never like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good karma. It's good energy. So that's why I, you know, I try to pay it forward. And, and that's also what the podcast is all about, right? It's, you know, people are giving of their time, their giving of their expertise. And, you know, how is that not the embodiment of paying it forward as opposed to paying it back? You know? Yeah, that's what, that's what I love about podcasting. It's just got this kind of great feel to it. It's like started at something like that comedians did independently, now grew to this, but it's like this big, you know, <laughs> in a way, fuck you to, to the mainstream uh, of like this big, you know, TV, TV shows and all that's very like kind of, you know, format, you know, but it doesn't, you know, but think about it this way. So I hear what you're saying about fuck you to the, you know, to the mainstream, but it's not really about that. It's about never before in our history in our parents' history, whatever, never before, like our parents did not have a platform, mm -hmm. right? You know, they grew up, they got their jobs, they did whatever it is they needed to do. And you like, nobody gave them a platform. Now my kids have a platform, right? All they need to do is just point the, you know, point this thing and go on TikTok and, you know, they can, if they're funny enough or talented enough, they can be discovered. 
right? And that's really the big difference. I mean, that's really, you know, why, you know, it's such a game changer. So it's not really about, you know, so my kids still look at me like, oh, dad, like, you're so cool. Like, you're like, dude, you got this big microphone on your desk, you know, like, you know, they're like swag, you know? So, you know, I get that all the time from the, you know, from the 15 year old and it's like, okay, great. You know, it's, you know, so now great. My kids think that I'm cool. That's, you know, that's wonderful. I think they're cool too, but, but what happens is that, you know, they see that I'm actually going out there and meeting other people in a way that, um, you know, is non-threatening. It's not, you know, it's mutually beneficial. So it's, um, why wouldn't you do that? Why, you know, like how else are you Conrad going to put your, you know, going to put your name out there? Are you going to go buy a billboard on Madison Avenue? Are you going to, are you going to do a meetup like NAS daily every time he goes into a major capital around the U S or are you going to, you know, just say, Hey, I'm the, I'm the Yerba Mate guy, you know, and you're not even Argentinian. So it's like, you, you know, so that's your thing, you know, like that's what you built and you know, that becomes your character, becomes your persona. Right. You know, just for me, like, you know, I start interviewing uh, somebody and then they notice the baby Yoda in the background. Boom. Now we're talking about the Mandalorian for 15 minutes, you know, and we're nerding out on that. And it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun that you can connect with people on, you know, that kind of level. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe I kind of miss, I just want to say it's like one point in all of it, but there's a bigger, Mm -hmm. yeah, as you said, a bigger reason. Um, but let's just one of the last things I wanted to turn tables on you a little bit and ask them sure. if, if your premise of your podcast is like, what, what is your one big tip? Then I can't help it, but ask you like, what is your one big tip? If a year ago, if you would have told me I'd be on this podcast with you today, right. And I'd have so many episodes recorded that I don't even know what to do with. I would have been like, that's a lie, right? You know, and you know, I was the kid that stuttered in school, right? I was the kid, you know, I bought, I, I bought all the great equipment. I, you know, I'm doing this on a DSLR webcam, you know, I got the nice mic and all that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I wanted to be a YouTuber. I wanted to be this. And I just like, no, I got a face for radio. Right. And you know, like that's it. I'm like, okay, I am not good at doing, uh, you know, doing the video editing and I just needed to make my life simpler. So that's all I got in the podcast. If I had known how effective of a networking tool podcasting is, shit, I would have done this 10 years ago. Mm. Right. And, it, you know, in 10 years ago, podcasting was a thing as well. You know, we ju- it, it, the app just came out for the, you know, on the iPhones and that's what really made it popular. And, you know, there were a lot of people that really embraced that medium. And, you know, there are lots of success stories. I can, you know, list off 10 right now. I, but I think that what a lot of people don't like even realize is that, Yes, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of steps that go into producing each episode, right? So just in my project management tool, there's like 30 steps that needs to happen between getting it recorded, getting the sound guy to edit it, listening to it, then writing social media around it, writing a blog post, getting the transcription, writing the, you know, creating the graphics, posting it up there, and then, you know, yeah, that's time, time, effort, and money that, you know, that needs to happen, Right. But what is the net benefit? The net benefit is that I'm interviewing 
perspective, uh, you know, perspective uh, clients. And I'm providing a platform, you know, a foundational platform, not only for myself, but for them. So it's a win-win all the way around. So my one big tip, you know, is you really should be putting yourself out there. I mean, if you're camera shy, fine, be camera shy, then record audio, right? And if you're not so camera shy, then, you know, record the video as well. Just live stream it. Who cares? When you're starting out with your audience anyways, and the only person that's watching your live stream is your mom, then fine. Then it's your mom. You know, it's like no one else is going to notice, right? So, you know, you can't mess up that bad because nobody saw it, right? So, and you'll only get better. You'll only get better with time. You'll only get better with, uh, you know, with interviewing and, you know, just getting, you know, just getting it out there. And what I've, you know, I mentioned earlier, I've been on podcasts that lasted a minute, you know, where the guy just say, Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Um, you know, tell me what's your, you know, what's the one thing you'd rather do tomorrow? You know, I don't know. And <laughs> you know, like, it, you're like, that was the whole thing. Right. And then you get on this, uh, you know, this other thing and they ask you all kinds of questions, including, you know, how's your dog and how's your this and how's your that? And it's like, okay, yeah, boring, but you know, still it's, you know, it still created a platform. It's still, it, it, you know, it was, it, I chalk it up to training, you know, training and networking, right? I'm going to meet this guy probably two years from now in some podcasting convention or some marketing convention or whatever. And we're going to remember each other. Why? Because we've had this connection, right? Mm. So yeah, that's my big push right now is, um, you know, st uh, start it. There are no rules behind it. There is a loving community that is willing to help you every single step of the way. You don't need to go wild with it, you know, buying thousand dollars of equipment, although you do sound a lot better if you do, um, you know, and <laughs> that's um, a one small tip. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the thing about, you know, just talking really quickly about this, uh, you know, like this microphone, right? It's a dynamic mic. And the cool thing about dynamic mics is that it excludes all the other noise. So even when I talk, like I move the microphone away, you can hear the difference mm. that it's not as loud, right? And then when I come back in really close, you know, you get my Barry White voice again, you know, so it gets really, uh, gets really cool. Um, even if I was to switch, you know, the microphone to the AirPods, you would hear a marked difference, right? So yeah, you know, the, is the equipment important? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of important, but it's not necessary to start, mm -hmm. right? So you can literally start this out on your iPhone with the, you know, with the headphones that came with it and, um, you know, graduate when it's time to graduate. I love the tip. I, I have to say, I love the tip. Um, Thank you, Conrad. So maybe like, what are your last thoughts? Maybe you can also tell people like where they can find you if they would be interested in one, checking out your podcast. That's one thing. A second, maybe your digital marketing services, who, who knows uh, what sure. people need. Um, and maybe something that you wanted to say, but I didn't ask you. And just Sure. So yeah, just, um, I think you'll, uh, I think by now you've gotten a pretty good idea of what my personality is about and, you know, how passionate I get about this stuff. But if you want to look me up, uh, very easy, uh, jeffmendelson.com, J-E-F-F-M-E-N-D-E-L-S-O-N.com. Uh, on there is a link to the podcast, so you can listen to all the episodes that we have there. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, and again, I, I invite people to reach out to me. Um, I love chatting about this stuff. I love, uh, you know, just uh, meeting new people and, you know, and interfacing and, you know, just, uh, you know, any way I can pay it forward, it all comes back to you with good energy. So, you know, please feel free to reach out. Mm. 
Nice, nice. Uh, thanks so much, Jeff. It was beautiful. Two hours, almost, almost exactly two hours wow. of of, uh, of conversation. So oh. uh, thanks again so much. And uh, you know, let's hope we our paths meet at some point across. Uh, oh, they will. I got to get back to Poland, man. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was a beautiful place. So. Yeah. The, the thank the, you so much. I really appreciate uh, you having me on the show.